This should be played at high volume. Welcome to Out of Pocket. Here's your host, Michael Davis. Welcome to Our Pocket with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWBG 1470 AM. I'm your host, Michael Davis, and joining me this week, we have someone who's become an Our Pocket regular. We got my fellow friend, John Cox. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing good tonight. It's a good night, Boomer. It is a good night. We got some high school football coming up later this evening as part of your TGI Friday lineup. If you've been following Out of Pocket on Instagram, Facebook, our social media, uh, our Instagram social media handle is outpocket underscore TRSR for Tobacco Road Sports Radio. And we've the last few weeks have been posting our rankings, myself and Jackson. Now, Jackson could not be with us this week. He probably dodged these rankings because there's some discrepancy I believe the Eagles are the number one team. He believes the Chiefs are. We're pretty even in our top three teams, but when it goes down to it, John, I feel like I have the better list. I got Philly one, Kansas City two, Dallas three. It pains me to put my Cowboys below your Eagles. I got Miami number four. I've I've caught some heat for that. I don't know why. Minnesota five, and then rounding out the top eight would be San Francisco, Buffalo, after they drop that game to the Jets and then Baltimore. So, John, I just want to say you were, you know, you were you were backing up Jackson a couple of weeks ago when we started doing these rankings. And since Jackson isn't on the show today, this will be a perfect opportunity to pick my rankings if you don't have anything to disagree with. Yeah, uh, I do like your list uh, better than Jackson's this week, uh, for sure. Um, with that being said, um, you know, I, I I appreciate, you know, the Dolphin recognition. Um, I remember the first week I was on here, we were, we were talking Dolphins and what they were going to do this season. You know, it's just such a – having such a unique piece like Tyreek Hill on that team with such a unique mind like Mike McDaniels. Um, you know, you got to give them some love. I love the Dolphins. Uh, I don't know if their defense will hold up, but, you know, I love seeing the Dolphins top four. My one question would be is, you know, no Jets. You know, you've got a team that comes in and knocks off the number three team, um, you know, a pretty consensus top three team over the past nine weeks. Uh, where Where's the love for the Jets? Well, to be fair, I do think Miami, I have Miami ranked ahead of the I have Miami ranked ahead of the Bills right now. You know, they they did beat the Bills earlier in the season. Bills just dropped to the Jets. And I don't think Miami gets enough love in the division. And the way they've stacked that team, you mentioned Tyreek Hill. You know, everyone thought Tyreek Hill would regress after leaving Patrick Mahomes to go to Tua, and he's only gotten better. They have Jalen Waddle. They just – I think the big thing other than Miami – winning there this past week against Chicago in Chicago was they just acquired Jeff Wilson. They just acquired Bradley Chubb. This, this team is looking really, really, really good. And jets, I had them, I had them in my rankings two weeks ago. I could have 
easily put the Jets. They lost Brees Hall to the torn ACL, but they plugged in James Robinson. I'm just the more I watch the Jets, I'm questioning the quarterback. I'm questioning Zach Wilson. I don't know if you plug in another quarterback there, if this team is, you know, doing better than they are right now. That, that, that's my big question. The rookies, by the way, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, defense and offense respectively, they are they're killing it. Probably playing with, you know, better than three, four year vets in the league. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I think Sauce Gardner right now is the best cornerback in the NFL. Um, you know, if you look at, at the receivers he's had to guard and the guys he's gone up against, you know, he doesn't flinch when he looks him in the eye. Um, he's a great piece. He was absolutely the right pick there. Um, and I think when you start to get into the Bills versus the Dolphins, you can kind of see that they have maybe opposite problems where – you know, the Bills have this guy in Josh Allen that they want to really lean on and talk about all the time. And then Josh Allen has a bad game and all of a sudden you're done. You can't win. Uh, the Dolphins, on the other hand, have this guy in Tua who, you know, people have their gripes about. Um, but he doesn't have to have a perfect game to get the job done. Um, he can go out there and win. And they're not necessarily leaning on Tua all the time. Um, so it's just another interesting conversation when you look at, you know, team building and roster construction um, and, and what works better in today's NFL, I think. And with the Bills, they acquired Naheem Hines from the Indianapolis Colts, which isn't a bad grab, but I don't think that moves the needle per se as the Dolphins going out and getting Jeff Wilson, who pairs him up with Raheem Mostert. And those are two former guys that McDaniel had with the 49ers. But just to clarify, and I know Jackson's listening, even though he couldn't be on today, that this list is better, right? Yes, I, I I would say this list probably gets the point this week, absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate it. Especially with uh me ranking the 49ers. You know, he he still ranks the Seahawks, and I, I'll be honest, Seattle Seattle's been impressive. This is much better than we expected. I remember when Seattle beat Denver week one, and it was like Jackson, even as a Seahawks fan, was like, if if we lose out the rest of the games, this is better than what I expected. And for them to be, what, six and three right now, that's, that's absurd. Yeah, no, uh, the Seahawks are good. Um, looking at your list, I think the only argument you could really make is that they're better than the Ravens. Um, you know, I don't think they're better than the 49ers, um, just with all the blue chippers, all the great players that the 49ers have. Um, you know, the Seahawks have some pieces, but um, I'm sure even Seahawks fans will admit they're really young. A lot of their best players are, honestly, their, their rookies. Um, you know, they're definitely not better than, you know, a team like the Cowboys or the Vikings. Um, I think the only argument you can make is maybe the Ravens. The Ravens have a couple holes um, dealing with a lot of injuries, you know, their best receiver might be a 36-year-old Deshaun Jackson, um, which oh. tells you about what that team looks like, I think. Yikes. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson is – when when will we just hang him up? Like, for real. He's not even the quickest receiver in the league, and that was his thing. But there's teams left off this list that could make a run in the playoffs. Like, we mentioned the Jets weren't on the list. 
I didn't have the Chargers on the list. They, they've been a little disappointing, not going to lie, but I feel like they can get hot towards the end of the year. And then both New York teams, the Jets, Giants, I don't have them on the list either. But, you know, we've talked about this on past weeks. I, I feel like the Giants are going to get exposed once they start playing really good teams that can challenge Daniel Jones. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, uh, the Giants haven't had to lean on Daniel Jones yet um, for a lot of their games. A lot of their games, if you look at the tape, they've kind of been, you know, rolling the dice and setting the house and blitzing heavy. And, you know, that's what you have to do when you don't have as good of a team. you got to really take those chances um, and just kind of roll those dice and see what happens. Um, going for kind of as much chaos as possible, if that makes sense. Um, working out of a structure. Um, you know, I don't know if it's fair to say Daniel Jones is limiting that team. Um, but if I had to make a value judgment right now, I would say that, you know, you're not winning much in the National Football League with Daniel Jones or with the wideouts that you have right now. Um, you know, Slayton's a nice piece, but I think they just need a true actual guy to come in and help them win. Yeah. And if you think about, you know, going back to these top quarter rankings, ranking the top eight teams in the NFL, you know, there there's some teams we expected to be on this list at the beginning of the year. I don't think any of us thought the Jets or the Dolphins or even the 49ers would be worthy of us, even the Vikings. The Vikings have been a shocker, but, you know, teams we just have felt disappointed by i know i was high on the raiders after they traded for Devonte adams even the packers packers are three and six right now i don't know how that happens the cardinals the rams you know even tampa bay which tampa bay is undefeated after tom brady and giselle's announcement i don't i don't think uh that's correlated at all i feel like brady's focusing 100 on football whether that's the right decision or not we won't get into that but, yeah, John, I I still feel like those teams I listed off, I feel like they just have the legacy of, you know, getting hot. If you told me the Buccaneers were in the Super Bowl this year, I could still believe it based on their track record. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at, at the year they won the Super Bowl, um, you know, they got swept by the Saints. One of those games was a blowout um, in the regular season. They went up to Chicago and they lost to the Nick Foles, Matt Nagy, Chicago Bears. Um, you know, it was a really weird game. Tom Brady thought it was a third down. It was a fourth down. It was one of those weird lapses, you know, that we've never seen Tom Brady make ever in his entire career. Um, and, you know, a lot of people forget this, but they were they were a wild card team. They were a wild card team the year they won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, it definitely helped that they got to play the first ever home Super Bowl game. Um, I think that means a lot, but you know, they, they got hot at the right time. They rode that momentum all the way there. Um, you know, and honestly, I think the Bengals did the same thing kind of last year. Um, you know, they beat the chiefs in the regular season and, uh, all of a sudden they're beating the Titans and then they, they beat the chiefs again. Um, and then they're in the Super Bowl. Um, so it's not impossible for a team to get hot. And if I had to guess which team does get hot and kind of rides into a playoff spot, um, I'd probably say the Bengals at this point. Um, you know, they've got Jamar on IR. Hopefully he's coming back soon. But I think they showed us last week against the Panthers that 
hey, man, they can put Joe Mixon out there and they're going to be completely fine because he is that guy. Which, thank you to Joe Mixon, by the way, for scoring not one, not two, not three, not four, but five touchdowns. That is more NBA championships that LeBron James has right now, even though he promised us all of those in Miami at one point. We we might get to talk a little bit about LeBron a little later on in the show. I know that probably made a lot of people turn off, but it's not going to be one of those ESPN sappy moments. But like, let's talk about the Bengals because they went on. Uh, they went on to the Super Bowl, right? Like, they didn't really lose anybody. They actually acquired people. They acquired Lyle Collins, who is one of the best offensive linemen, particularly offensive tackles in the NFL. And this seems to be a rocky start when it felt like the Bengals had all the pieces there. John, I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around what's going on with the Bengals and why the slow start. Yeah, uh, I think part of that slow start, um, obviously, you know, teams talk about it all the time. Uh, Super Bowl hangover, um, it's absolutely a real thing. Um, teams tend to regress after they get to the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, if you look at it, they definitely overachieved last year. You know, they shouldn't have gotten to the Super Bowl based off of what they were on paper. Um, that being said, of course, they were a great team. Um, I'm not hating on the Bengals by any chance, but a lot of people would say they, they overachieved. Um, they also didn't have, you know, the easiest schedule to open up with. Um, they came out, played the Cowboys, came out and played a really healthy Steelers defense, um, which has had some injuries since then. Um, but also, you know, Joe Burrow missed, um, missed some offseason stuff. Uh, he had to get surgery on, um, gosh, like his gallbladder or something removed. Um, and, you know, taking time away from the team, um, you know, being away from football, definitely has effect on, you know, how you're going to play at the beginning of the year. And I think that offense is starting to click now. Yeah, let, let's hope because Cincinnati, Cincinnati was fun. They were the Cinderella Bengals. Nobody, nobody expected them to be what they were or go where they were. And this this is the time of year where you start to see, you know, teams, you know, kind of fill out who they are. Uh, but John, I'm I'm still I'm still feeling like a lot of these teams. I feel like the Cardinals, even in a tough NFC West division where the 49ers are hot right now, they're only one game behind the 49ers as of now. You you have the Seahawks who I still don't have complete trust in. I feel like the Seahawks might skate down. I feel like the Cardinals might skate up and the Cardinals can get in the wild card at the very least. They're a dangerous even the Rams, like that entire division is pretty solid right now. And I, I, I'm just kind of at a loss of words. You know, the Rams, Rams beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl and they're struggling just as much. I think that just goes to show the parity in the NFL right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially when you look at, you know, all those blue chippers that the Rams have, you know, guys like Jalen Ramsey um, and Aaron Donald and even, you know, kind of what's left of Bobby Wagner, um, I guess. Um, I disagree about the Cardinals. I don't think they're going anywhere um, as long as they have the problems that they have now. Um, a lot of those problems, I think, come down to coaching. Um, 
you know, uh, also it, it's a big culture thing. If you look at the tape, you know, Kyler Murray and D hop are on the sidelines arguing and, you know, Kyler Murray is in a shouting match with Cliff Kingsbury on the sideline. Um, doesn't, doesn't look great for your team at all. I, I, I kind of relate that to passion though, if I'm being honest, like we've seen that from Tom Brady before. And I feel like D hop has been so frustrated. This is why he got frustrated in Houston because they weren't winning when they had the talent to, they had Deshaun Watson as your quarterback. They had JJ Watt on defense. And it's kind of the same thing in Arizona right now. You have, you have a dynamic quarterback at the helm. You have even JJ Watt on defense and you just can't get it done. But I, I still, I still have faith in the Cardinals to eventually get the ball rolling. But when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what to expect this upcoming week. And to be fair, this is probably the biggest slate of NFL games that we've seen the entire season. John and I are going to break that down when we come back after the break. Welcome back to Out Pocket with Michael Davis on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWBG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. I'm Michael Davis with my good friend John Cox. And John, when we get into these NFL games this week, there are some big ones on the line, including your 8-0 Philadelphia Eagles that you happily reminded us of last week. Thanks for that. Uh, against the division rival 4-5 and five Washington Commanders. And usually, if you look at this game on paper, you say it's going to be a blowout, right? You, you feel like it's going to be a 3-4 possession game. But you and I both know, especially in the NFC East, these division games are never a lock. So, John, as a Philadelphia fan, what do you expect from this game? And is this a potential trap game for the Philadelphia Eagles? No, uh, I do not expect much from the Washington Commanders this week. Um, you know, the the line is set at uh, minus 10.5. Um, I think that's a great line. Uh, I think the Eagles cover. Um, I think when you put A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts in prime time, They've shown you what they can do. Um, if you look at what they did against, you know, the Vikings and what they did against Dallas and what they did against uh, Houston last week, um, I think if there was a trap game on our schedule, I honestly think it was last week, um, four days of rest against the Texans um, going in. Um, I didn't expect them to cover. They didn't cover. Um, I think that uh, I think this game is a blowout. Um, I think that this game might be. 27-0. 27-0? Wow. Okay, you don't even... I mean, I feel like Philadelphia's defense is pretty solid. And you do get the benefit of the doubt facing Taylor Heineke. I don't know if T Carson Wentz would be a 
worse person to face. I, I feel like Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke give the Washington Commanders pretty much the same shot. I feel like Carson Wentz is slightly overrated. Uh, so if Washington doesn't beat Philadelphia, they'll move to 9-0 and this week, the Philadelphia Eagles. And that begs the question, John, if the Washington Commanders can't beat Philadelphia in Philly to end the streak, then who is it looking ahead at the schedule? Um, I think who has the best chance, if you were to ask me who has the best chance to beat the Philadelphia Eagles in their schedule, um, if you told me one team was going to beat them and, you know, I had to bet my life savings on it, um, I'd probably say the Cowboys um, on Christmas Eve. Um, you know, it's at Dallas. We might have the one seed wrapped up by then. Um, you know, we could be going into that game 14-0, and um, which would be absolutely insane. Uh, but if you had to, if you had to, you know, make me guess, I'd say the Cowboys on Christmas Eve, um, just because of if you look at what Dallas's defense is, and you know, Dak is back. We'll see what happens, but you know, I have faith that that they'll take care of business that game. Now, I, I, I would love that. That would be the best Christmas present is if the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles on Christmas Eve. But John, you're 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 facing a tough slate. You know, you got Washington. If it's not a trap game, you'll win. You got the Colts on a short week, just six days in between that. But then you get into the Packers, you get into the Titans, you get into the Giants. And I I still believe that the Packers can win any game. It may be the case this Sunday against my Cowboys, but I don't know. Ooh, and even after the Giants, you got Chicago with Justin Fields who's starting to come on as a quarterback right now, finding his groove in that Bears offense. I'll I'll know if y'all make it to 14 and 0. But we'll see. We'll see. And you know, speaking of the Packers, my team is hoping to go to 7 and 2, the Dallas Cowboys at the 3 and 6 Packers. It'll be the first time Mike McCarthy is in Lambeau Field as not the Packers head coach. He is now in Dallas, and he's facing his former quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, who they won a Super Bowl together with. And looking looking at this game, it, this is a big game. Dallas usually doesn't beat Green Bay. This this has been a team who always has Dallas's number. We now have their head coach, so maybe it's a different story. But looking at it, it's not really just Aaron Rodgers versus Dak Prescott. It's It sounds more like it's going to be who runs the ball better? Because you got Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard on Dallas. You got Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon on Green Bay. John, which duo is going to need to carry the load in this game between the Dallas Cowboys and Green Bay Packers? Um, you know, I think you're absolutely right when you talk about it being a run the ball festival. Um, I just Gave it a Google, uh, check the uh, seven-day forecast, and uh, looks like right now the high on Sunday is going to be 37 degrees, Boomer. Um, so it's going to be a cold game. Um, if you look at it, you know, pound for pound, who has the better weapons behind the offensive line? I think it's the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Tony Pollard showed us what he could be um, with Zeke out. You know, Tyree Pollard is a beast. I hate to say it. Um, but, you know, so is Zeke. And if you look at it, I don't think that it matches up quite the same way. If you had to ask me which pair of running backs I would rather have, I think I would definitely take Tony Pollard 
at Ezekiel Elliott. And when you when you told me the temperature for Sunday, I I, I kind of panicked because that's the that's the difficulty about playing in Jerry's world where you can control the conditions. It's in southern Texas in Dallas, Fort Worth area. You it's, it's a very different atmosphere when you go to an open field in November, December, January, and you're playing in Green Bay. But that that's what you need. You need you need a good running game to survive in those climates, in those atmospheres, in those situations where they're bound to face a team up north. They they might face the Philadelphia Eagles. They'll play them on Christmas Eve. They might see them in the playoffs. They might see the Giants in the playoffs, which is kind of weird to think about <laughs> seeing the Giants in the playoffs. That doesn't usually happen. But when they do, they win the Super Bowl. So I, I, if you're a Giants fan listening to this, I'm not I'm not poking fun. You know, I'm not I'm not going to put myself in a hole right there. But you know, Zeke, I, I was I was very worried about coming into this season. I felt like we could have moved on from Zeke rather than Eric Amari Cooper. And sometimes I still feel that way looking at how our passing game struggles. But Zeke, Zeke has new legs based on the Cowboys resting him and with Tony Pollard picking up slack. Like Zeke set out a couple of weeks ago before the bye, and Tony Pollard went off. If you picked him up on your fantasy team for that week, he went off. And one of the better running backs in fantasy football is Christian McCaffrey. He's usually your number one or number two pick in your fantasy leagues. We won't talk about Jonathan Taylor. He and the Colts are kind of irrelevant right now. If you have JT on your fantasy team, I am so sorry. But looking at the 49ers hosting the 5-3 and three Chargers, I feel like the Chargers have been slight a slight letdown. I feel like they can still recover, but... When I look at this Chargers 49ers game, John, I I genuinely believe this is a dark horse Super Bowl matchup. Um, I don't know if I, I'd go that far. Um, saying that the Chargers could make the Super Bowl. I totally agree that the 49ers could get there um just with their defense and their scheme alone. Um, you know, I think the Chargers' biggest problem isn't any of the players on the field. I think it's coaching. Um, I think it's decision-making a lot of the time, play calling. Um, they don't really have Justin Herbert doing what Justin Herbert does well. Um, they need to let him air it out. Um, I don't know if you saw this uh, this past two weeks, Boomer, but uh, Sean Payton was at SoFi Stadium seeing a Chargers game. Um, I think that would be a very interesting situation uh, for Sean Payton to get into. Uh, but I'm kind of curious to know what, what other Dark Horse Super Bowl um, matchups do you see happening? I mean, to be fair, that Chargers 49ers Super Bowl matchup would not be an out of pocket take. It, and and be pretty it'd be pretty cool to see Sean Payton. I feel like he'd come out of retirement to go to LA and coach a kid like Justin Herbert. I for for a dark horse Super Bowl matchup, obviously the Chargers 49ers. I feel like people aren't giving the Vikings that opportunity. I feel like the Vikings are 7-1 right now. They may or may not be on the win ways after they play the Bills and Buffalo this week. I feel like nobody's talking about Minnesota being in the Super Bowl. But if you could get a Minnesota and Miami Super Bowl, 
that absolutely nobody is talking about. I I feel like I feel like that would be a pretty solid matchup, mainly because Kirk Cousins never gets respect, whether that's fair or not. Tua hasn't gotten the respect that he deserves, and people were wanting Tua replaced after last season. I'm like, guys, calm down. He's only been in the league, what, two, three years? Now he finally has an offense. Now he finally has an offensive coordinator. Uh, but, dude, do not be surprised. Do not see, be surprised if the Chargers, 49ers, or the Super Bowl matchup this year. Like, what, what would you think is a dark horse matchup? Yeah, um, I see your Vikings, Dolphins, and I raise you Dolphins, but I've got them playing the Seattle Seahawks as the Okay, Dolphins. okay. Did we invite Jackson onto the show this week? <laughs> I would. I, I can't get out of an out-of-pocket show without the Seahawks being praised. I don't know what it is. Golly. Uh, if you look at them, you know, they've got the coaching experience. They've got good defense. They've got some great pieces. If Gino can keep playing how he's been playing the first nine weeks, um, and they hold on to that to that um, that that winning record and end up winning out and winning the NFC West, I don't think it's an out of pocket take to say they could win one or two playoff games in Seattle, um, being the home field advantage that it actually is. Um, that being said, it'd be the ultimate underdog comeback story for Geno Smith. You know. They wrote me off. He didn't write back. One of the coldest bars ever dropped in NFL history, probably. Um, and then you've got Mike McDaniels, Tyree Kill. I think that would be a phenomenal game. Seahawks. Oh, no. Guys, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get the Seattle hype at all whatsoever. Uh, we we got to we got to figure out a way to move on. So we're, we're actually, you know, do, do you even think the Seattle Seahawks are going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Germany this week? Um, I do. I think uh, I think they do. Um, I don't think the Buccaneers have uh, an identity um, on offense or defense. Um, you know that that. Buccaneer squad is, you know, old and they're all veterans and they're not going to love the idea of flying however long, you know, that 10 hour, 12 hour flight to Germany, however long it is. Um, you know, Seattle's a young, hungry team. I would, uh, I would take the Seahawks in this matchup, actually. You would take Geno Smith over Tom Brady. I would. I'm, yep. I mean, okay. This. In 2022, John Cox has taken Geno Smith over Tom Brady, and he's not a Seattle Seahawks fan like Jackson. Somewhere, wherever Jackson is listening to this, in Florida, hopefully staying safe, Jackson just Jackson just popped big, big time. Oh, my gosh. But, I mean, we can talk about all these dark holer Super Bowl matchups, but we got a real Super Bowl matchup potentially here with the 7-1 Minnesota Vikings, the 6-2 Buffalo Bills, Buffalo's only lost two two games. They were both division rivals, Dolphins and Jets. And I feel like the Bills having this home game against the Vikings. Kirk Cousins does iffy, to say the least, in cold weather. So I feel like the Bills could have a perfect opportunity this week to get back on track, get back to their winning ways, and show everybody 
they're just as dangerous as ever. John, how do you see this Vikings Bills matchup going down? Um, it's an interesting one. Uh, I don't know if you, you if you saw this news. Uh, Josh Allen might be playing with the you know kind of a banged up right elbow. Um, he got stripped um, towards the end of the Jets game last week. Um, kind of looked funny. Someone ran by it, kind of pulled it backward. Um, you know, almost like a hyperextension, not quite a hyperextension, but something along those lines. Um, so it's definitely something to watch out for. Um, that being said, um, the Bills have a great squad around Josh Allen, um, but they do lean on him. Um, that's important to remember. Um, Vikings at Bills. I think the Bills take care of it. I do think it's a bounce back week. Um, you know, going to New York and losing to the Jets, um, they probably want to get that taste out of their mouth as quickly as possible. Yeah, because even though the, the Jets are having a good year, it it's it's still the Jets. I f- like any time you're a division rival, you don't want to lose the like the little brother of your division. And every division has one. You know, you look at the NFC East, it's obviously Washington. If you look at the AFC East, it's it's the Jets. Like you you just you just you just feel disgusted, especially with the high expectations the Buffalo Bills came in with this season and can still obtain. This team can still win a Super Bowl, but it has to be on the back of Josh Allen. Just like you said, John, this team runs through Josh Allen, and I'm kind of worried against this Vikings defense how Josh Allen does with an injury. But, hey, I'm telling you, this is a stacked week of football this weekend. We even have the Cardinals and Rams, both must-win games in terms of the NFC West division. We talked about the 49ers. We talked about Seahawks. And if either the Cardinals or the Rams lose this game this week, they're they're looking at a struggle bus in terms of finding a wild card and might even miss the playoffs. Do you think it's a bigger win for the Cardinals or the Rams this week? Um. I don't know. It's it's tough to say. Um, it is a must-win game for both teams um, trying to get back on track. I totally agree with that. Um, I think that, man, if I had to look at it, I would say the Rams, I guess. Um, you know, Sean McVay has been talking to his guys about, you know, what it's like not being, you know, that heavy favorite like they were last week. Kind of everybody, you know, I don't know if they expected them to go out and win a Super Bowl, but they certainly weren't an underdog in any of the games they were playing. Um, you know, and now, now they are, and he's been asking his guys, you know, how are we going to respond to that? Um, I think the Rams win this game. Um, I think it's a close one. I think it's an ugly one. Um, but I think it's, it's the Rams, um, the Rams game this week. That being said, um, I don't know if this is an out of pocket take. Um, I don't expect the Rams or the Cardinals to make the playoffs. Well, whoever loses this game is probably not making the playoffs. I would say that's out of pocket, but don't don't count either of these teams out, especially the Rams. If they win, they'll be four and five, and they won the Super Bowl last year. They can keep on going, but we'll have to get to a break. When we come back, John and I are closing the show of Out of Pocket with some hoops talk and explain why LeBron might just be washed when we come back after the break. <music>
Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, and WWBG 1470 AM as part of your TGI Friday lineup. We got franchise players right after this NBA segment. John Cox is joining me, and John, we're going strong throughout the hour. And one guy who's not going strong is LeBron James and his Los Angeles Lakers. They are two and nine. This is the worst franchise start in history. And, you know, LeBron's been questioned in press conferences. He's lost his temper with it. And he's like, okay, Captain Obvious. Yeah, we're two and nine. This doesn't look good. And LeBron had some choice words to say about, you know, him being 38 and apparently his plays decreased, which it has, to be fair. Uh, but is this more. Lakers are two and nine. This is one of the worst records in the NBA. Utah Jazz are doing the exact opposite with less talent, in my opinion. So is this is this more about the team and how they're constructed? Is it about coaching? Or is this about LeBron not being the LeBron we're used to seeing over the last several years of his career? Yeah, listen, I'm like not at all um, a LeBron stan or or whatever, you know, a guy who goes out of his way to defend LeBron James. But man, this is if you look at the Lakers right now and look at their their history over the past four years, these are some of the worst decisions made by a front office, maybe in the history of organized sports in America. Um, I mean, these moves are up there with you know, that Vikings-Dallas trade. Um, this is up there with the Nets-Celtics trade. Um, this is this is bad. Um, you know, they trade a lot of young young players and picks for Anthony Davis. They bring him in. They win a championship. That's great. Two years later, they say, let's trade all of our depth for the third highest paid point guard in the NBA, Russell Westbrook. Let's bring him in, send out all of our depth and scorers, and see what happens then. And so now they're left with an older LeBron James who does not have the athleticism that he used to have, um, and Anthony Davis who cannot seem to stay on the court, and they have Russell Wilson who is, he's trying his best out there, but um, it's just not enough. You know, it is it is athletic malpractice what Rob Polinka and Jeannie Buss have done to the Lakers. They have hamstrung this organization. They might they might win the lottery this year, have the number one overall pick, and Victor Wembanyama might be a Pelican. That is how bad things are in Los Angeles. Wow. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> Athletic malpractice? <laughs> wow. John bringing out the, uh, I think, very in-pocket term right there. I don't believe that's out-of-pocket at all. That, and if you look at that team they constructed two years ago that even won a championship, you know, you can go back and forth whether the bubble championship counts. And in my opinion, since Miami lost, it doesn't count. If I would have had a very different opinion if they did. But you look at that team and you're like, oh, that looks great on NBA 2K12, you got Westbrook, you got Davis, you got Dwight Howard, you got LeBron James, you got Rajon Rondo. In 2K12, that's your, like, my team. That's your, like, ultimate team kind of video game-esque roster. You know, turn salary cap off on association, go get all those players and 
just blow teams out. But they kind of realized that was just a, you know, let's plug this in. Hopefully it works. It did for a season. And then we got to get rid of Howard. We got to get rid of JaVale McGee. We can't bring Rajon Rondo back. And then we're going to get Russell Westbrook, who came after the title, and they've done nothing. Like, they've done absolutely nothing because Westbrook, in my opinion, just doesn't mesh. Like, he's he's always been that guy who's like, he's with Kevin Durant, James Harden. There's a lot of talent there, but he doesn't play well with them. And so he goes to Houston, playing with James Harden again, and doesn't get along with them. And then he shipped off, eventually ends up in the Lakers with LeBron and AD, a lot of talent, and just doesn't work with them. I feel like Russell Westbrook, in his own mind, has to be the guy. Like, he has to be the guy. He doesn't really want to play second, third, fourth fiddle. And, like, John, this could mean, like, I don't even know if the season's salvageable just 11 games into this. Yeah, um, I had some hope, you know, at the beginning of the season about what they could do to move some pieces around. But now that they actually look like a lottery team, it's it's really scary to think about. Um, you know, I think the idea of, of bringing in Ru- Russell Westbrook originally was, um, hey, let's let this guy handle the ball, um, take the ball out of LeBron James' hands, um, for at least the regular season, let's not put as many miles as we have to on LeBron James, who's obviously, you know, he's up there in age. He's got a million minutes. Um, if you add up all the minutes he's had to play in the playoffs, you know, reaching the finals for nine straight years or whatever it was, um, that's a lot of mileage on the body. So it makes sense to go out and get a ball handling point guard and try that. But what doesn't make sense is to sell all of your pieces for a guy like that who has, you know, an untradeable contract. Um, you give up all your depth. You don't have any picks. And now, you know, you've built yourself into this box that you can't you can't maneuver out of. And let, let's talk about that depth because, you know, you make a really good point. You can't win on three players no matter if they are balling out or not. I mean, beyond LeBron, AD, and Westbrook, you ask the casual fan – and they can't usually name you who else is there. Like Patrick Beverly is on the team. Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder's hurt right now. Like, I mean, you're not going to name another person. I know there's a guy named Matt Ryan there. And Matt Ryan sticks out because, you know, he couldn't cut it out in Indianapolis on the football field. A different, different Matt Ryan, of course. But, and... I don't know what this does to LeBron's 20-year legacy. You know, people in the media are questioning whether, you know, he still got it or whether he can save this team. But I feel like LeBron's kind of come to the realization that the season might be a wash unless something drastically happens and drastically would be trading Westbrook for a point guard who fits better in the system. But I don't think any team is going to give up somebody who could fit the Lakers for a guy who has to have the ball in his hands. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a bad situation. Um, You know, you could look to do something like maybe get crazy and and trade Anthony Davis. Um, Maybe they look at it 
uh, you know, right before the trade deadline, they say, let's not make this worse. Maybe they blow it up. Maybe they ship out everything. I think that's, I think that's that option is, is definitely on the table. Um, and it's something to keep an eye on, you know, maybe Anthony Davis gets shipped out. We'll have to see. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we get Jackson's crazy. LeBron gets traded back to Cleveland. And I, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know how early it is to look into early, like MVP favorites candidates, but you have your obvious, like you have your Luca, you have your Giannis. Bucks are doing really well right now. But Donovan Mitchell, I feel like that Cavaliers team doesn't get off to this hot start without Donovan Mitchell, who is helping my fantasy basketball team right now. I also play fantasy basketball. Ironically, probably better that fantasy basketball this year than I was fantasy football this year. But there, there's there's still a chance for me. But, John, I, I feel like Donovan Mitchell's a dark horse MVP candidate. I, do, do you feel like Donovan Mitchell could win it, or is it going to be one of these bigger names like Luka or Giannis to take it home? Yeah, uh, Donovan Mitchell is absolutely balling. Um, you know, uh, that roster is incredible. Um, it's really a testament to, you know, how a rebuild should be done. Um, you know, they lucked out on a lot of great picks. Um, they weren't afraid to move some of their young pieces to bring in a good guy like Donovan Mitchell. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, the Jazz got better, the Cavs got better. Um, one of those super rare good for good trades. Um, I don't think anyone lost that trade necessarily. Um, I wouldn't be afraid to say Donovan Mitchell could win the MVP this year. Um, just the way he's, he's running that offense and, and looking how he did, you know, how we thought he was going to be his rookie year when everybody was saying, you know, this guy's the next D Wade. Um, you know, he looks good. Um, my MVP pick, if I had to guess, um, would probably be Luca. Um, I think he does a lot more with a lot less on that Dallas Mavericks team. Um, I think the only, you know, really good player that he's playing with right now is probably Christian Wood. Um, they they could be a team that maybe makes some moves as well around the trade deadline, um, trade for some pieces. But I think Luka is doing more with less, and that's why I would tip my cap to Luka. And even with Luka, I believe Christian Wood's out with injury right now, which is kind of insane. Uh, he's he's actually played like about nine games. He hasn't played. Uh, I believe his last game was earlier this week on Monday against Brooklyn Nets that they won. But even Christian Wood hasn't like been spectacular. You know, he's he's averaging fifteen and seven, which isn't bad. But those aren't you know Chris Middleton to Giannis numbers. Like Luca, Luca doesn't have a number two guy. Like a lot of these teams do, uh, Luca Luca would be a great one. I I don't see I don't see Spencer Dinwiddie or Dorian Finney-Smith or Dwight Powell or Tim Hardaway Jr. as much hype as they get on NBA 2K from people who just find players are good with. I I don't see any of those guys elevating the Mavericks to a title. So if Mavericks do anything right now. They they've won like six seven games this year. I I feel like it's going to be much like the Buffalo Bills in the NFL on the back of Luca. And speaking of a team that 
has to carry be carried on their back. Kevin Durant has to carry this Brooklyn Nets team on their back. They just hired Jaque Vaughn. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. We we get these new names each and every week, and it's not Udoka from the Celtics. It feels like Udoka and Celtics might work it out somehow, but Vaughn's going to be tasked to come in and help Kevin Durant in Kyrie Irving's absence and Ben Simmons being, you know, Ben Simmons, <laughs> to figure out what it is that the Brooklyn Nets need to do. The Brooklyn Nets are currently five and seven. John, do you do you believe that the Nets have a chance with this? head coaching change to turn things around this season? Um, not this season, probably. Um, I think, um, you know, uh, with everything surrounding the Kyrie Irving situation, um, I don't think he's a tradable piece anymore. Um, you know, I don't think they have a lot of tradable pieces. Um, that being said, you know, Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant. And if you look at the numbers, Kyrie on the court, this team looks like a completely different team without Kyrie on the floor. Um, they look a lot better. Um, they're playing better defense. Uh, they're playing better offense. Uh, the ball is moving. The ball is also in Katie's hands more. Um, and that's always a good thing. You know, if you've got a seven foot guy who can shoot it from literally anywhere on the floor, it's a good idea to give that guy the ball. Um, we'll see how. How Ben Simmons ramps back up, um, see if he can get back to the guy he was here. Um, pays me to say it, but you know he was honestly an all-star caliber player when he was in Philadelphia. The things he did on the defensive side of the floor, um, distributing the ball, running, running uh, fast break offenses, that kind of thing. Um, we'll see what can happen, but uh, I don't see it being fixed this year. I don't see them competing for a title this year. Oh no. I, I, I don't think anything's in the book this year. And as long as Ben Simmons doesn't shoot, as long as he doesn't try shooting threes, Brooklyn has a chance to win any game. And if Kyrie's probably not on the court, because I don't believe Kyrie loves basketball. And I've mentioned that before. It's not an out-of-pocket take. But this has been a out-of-pocket episode with Michael Davis and John Cox talking football, talking basketball. We got franchise players after this on your TGI Friday lineup. We got some high school football games as the season winds down. It's going to be a great weekend for sports. It's going to be a great night for high school football. Stay tuned and listen to Desmond's broadcast from the game. And we will see you next week on Out of Pocket with Michael Davis. Everyone, have a great time.